Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice five days a week with your hosts, Russell Wilcox and Ben Shank. Hello, Meister fans. Welcome to the show. This is Ben. Hey, guys. It's Russell. Today, we welcome Emily Harrington. Emily is a professional rock climber, ice climber, mixed climber, and basically all other types of climber. She became a member of the USA Junior Climbing Team in 1998 and transitioned to the USA Climbing Team from 2004 to 2010. She's a five-time national champion, a two-time North American champion, and has placed podium in World Cups. However, more recently, she has taken her talents to outdoor climbing in sport, big wall, multi-pitch, and now mountaineering and even ice climbing. She summited Everest in 2012 and has rock, ice, and mixed climbed all over the world. Emily, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you are one of the most noted top sport climbers in the world. And then... I don't know what happened. You, you maybe took a different road or, or something happened, but now you're doing all these other extreme things. When did that happen and, and why did you end up doing that? Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I started climbing when I was 10 years old in the climbing gym doing competitions. As far as climbing was concerned, that was all that I knew about it um, as a young kid. And then I had a lot of influences in my life and in my climbing that sort of encouraged me to get outside and explore outdoor rock climbing, which in the end is what I did and what I gravitated towards. And I I mean, I guess it's just one thing leads to another. Climbing is this incredibly vast and versatile sport. And, you know, it's my life and I want to do it as long, you know, as long as I'm capable. And I, I just don't really see any point in sticking with with one style or one discipline when there's so much out there to explore. That's been what has surprised me most in learning about climbing is just there are so many different types. I mean, we've talked to the boulders and then you did a lot of sport climbing and competition climbing and now maybe more big wall, multi-pitch. When when do you decide to transition to that next one and why? Like you said, it's it's there's so many different styles and in a way, every different style it's become so specialized now that each one is is sort of a a sport in its own mm. in its own right. And uh, for me, it's just you know I've been climbing for over half my life now, and I I just I guess I burnt out on certain styles, or you know I get I get tired of doing one thing. I get tired of training in the gym, or I get tired of pushing myself into sport climbing. And gradually, I've just decided that I wanted to learn other types of climbing. I feel like it's really important to becoming a better climber and more well-rounded. And I think it's important to learn about my sport in that way and to expose myself to all those different different styles. Yeah. Yeah. Your current path, it kind of reminds me of building a business almost. You start yeah. out with like one product. Yeah. You get really, really good at it. You're pretty much the best at of anyone. And then once you've built your brand, you can actually branch out and do whatever you want. I like it. Yeah. Do you think that there's any way that someone can take an opposite approach and actually just start out to be okay at everything? Or do you think it would be harder for them to get sponsorships? 
I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question, and I'm sure it's happened before. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, but you know, every everyone is different, and every climber is different, and there are certainly styles that that different people gravitate more towards. And you know, I've learned, I've known climbers that start out as boulders, or they start out as trad climbers, and then they they try, you know, they dabble in uh, different styles, and eventually they settle on one that they really, really love, and that's what they stick with. Mm. And they can be very successful at that. So I guess the answer is yes. I think it's totally possible to go the opposite direction and just to become specialized. It just takes a different a different kind of discipline and a different kind of de- dedication and motivation. Very cool. So I mentioned earlier when I read your bio, you have numerous accomplishments, five-time national champion, two-time North American champion, but that was a little bit ago. And eventually you transitioned from that competition level. Part of the reason why you did that is because, very simply put, the younger climbers are better. And we kind of want to dive into that a little bit and try to understand why. I mean, you're not old by any means, but you were saying that the teenagers are starting to dominate this sport. Why is that happening? Yeah, well, certainly in, in bouldering and sport climbing, you're, you're seeing the age become younger and younger. And I think it's because it's very focused on physical ability. You know, it's not as much mental. It's not as much based on, I mean, it is mental, but it's, it's a little bit more like gymnastics than other styles of mm. climbing where, you know, strength to weight ratio is really advantageous and climbing in the gym now, because so many kids just start out climbing in the gym and that's all that they do. And they become really, really strong, really fast. And, uh, you know, I, I think it just sort of lends itself to, to young to the young generation when you're a kid you're not afraid and you're strong and you're light and i think climbing just comes a little bit easier yeah the the way that i was thinking about it was like if you if you consider who your competition is your competition's the wall or whatever which doesn't change so when you talk about the experience and you compare it to a sport where experience really does matter maybe something like basketball where you see veterans still dominate the sport at 35 plus years of age, it's because they've been there before, you know, and their competition is another human, which is variable, whereas the rock climbing wall is the same every single time. Right. And, you know, you could argue that the way that they set roots and stuff can be different and experience Mm. comes into play there. And I'm certainly not saying that, you know, older, more veteran climbers can't succeed because they do. There are definitely competition climbers out there who are in their 30s and even like some you know, I think are even in their early 40s and they still do well. Um, But it definitely takes a lot of dedication. And the other thing you have to think about is that you just, you have to continue training and training is hard and it's monotonous. And you have to think about other sports where like, you know, like swimming and gymnastics, most athletes excel in their late teens and early 20s, it seems like in those type of sports. And then they move on and they become coaches and they do other things. And I feel like it's a very similar situation in climbing. Only in climbing, we have all these other avenues to utilize our experience. Yeah. You know, I can use my competition experience and my sport climbing experience and translate it into big wall climbing and into alpine climbing. Um, you know, things that where experience does matter and where understanding mother nature and understanding conditions is a little bit more important. Yeah, Ben and I were watching the U.S. Open for golf and we got in a little bit of an argument. There was this 17-year-old <laughs> and he's doing really well. He's, I think he was in the top five or whatever, but he's qualified as amateur. And so if he wins the U.S. Open outright, it doesn't 
financially matter for him. He doesn't actually win any money. And the, the other people that are older and technically professional, they win. Is that how it works in climbing? And if so, you have all these other amateurs that are younger that are competing. And even if they're better, are they allowed to even win money and win the competitions? Uh, yes, they are, actually. Climbing has not yet reached that level of prestige, I don't think. Um, you know, the, there are competitions like World Cups where the age limit is 16. So World Cup climbing and uh, we have our U.S. nationals where you have to be 16 years old in order to compete. Um, but then there's definitely other um, circuits out there um, and other competitions where it's any age and you can win money. And, you know, I won money when I was younger than 16. I, I won some professional competitions yeah. at a young age. And, yeah, climbing competition climbing just it hasn't quite reached that level yet I don't think where they have to invoke those rules and those questions I'm sure they've come up I've been out of the competition scene for a little while now but it doesn't seem to be an issue yet yeah it seems weird I was doing a little research on some of the younger and by younger I mean like 11 year old (laughs) rock climbers and there's this girl Brooke Rabatou and she's 11 years old and she did a 514B. And for any of the listeners that don't know how unbelievable that is, basically like 0.001% of all climbers can do something that hard. And that uh, there was. include me. <laughs> I actually know Brooke. I remember when she was born, funnily <laughs> enough. Um, her mom, uh, Robin Herbisfield, was my coach starting when I was about 11 years old, actually. She's a former four time World Cup champion. And uh, her dad, DDA, is also is a French champion. And so basically, Brooke was born into this climbing family. She started climbing before she could walk. And, uh, you know, thankfully, she, she loves it. And uh, she, her mom has a really prestigious youth climbing team that she runs out of Boulder, Colorado. And they're some of the best young climbers and best climbers in the world. And they probably will continue to be that way because... They've, you know, they've grown up climbing. They've grown up learning from the best. And I think that's what's different about this generation than past generations is because they had access to the gym. They had access to, to trainers. It's become much more of a legitimate sport than before when it was a little bit more of a lifestyle and people didn't have access to gyms and they didn't become strong so fast. Very interesting. And I, I like the, the comparison that you used to gymnastics earlier. But mm-hmm. we want to talk more about you and... I think a theme that's really developing here is in quotes career development because you know you constantly need to push yourself to stay relevant like you were saying I mean you've transformed and tried all these different kinds of climbing and your career isn't where you can you know get a position in a company and you get a steady paycheck and you'll get a periodic promotion you really need to figure out what you're going to do with yourself so it seems like you're at a really interesting point in your life right now. Am I right in saying that? Yep, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> okay. so, so your career is climbing, right? And you get paid by sponsors, magazines, movies, other forms of media, not podcasts, I don't think, <laughs> not ours at least. Um, do you get to choose what walls you're going to climb next? I mean, is this up to you? And uh, and how do you choose it, if, if, if so? Yeah, it's it's totally up to me um, for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sponsored by the North Face, and they have a really, really amazing athlete program, and they've developed a team, and we all travel together, and we work together on trips and stuff like that. And, you know, I think what from what I've realized is that through my climbing, 
is that it's not necessarily always about being the best. Being a professional athlete is is much more than just you know being the best and climbing the hardest and and all of that. You have to you have to get a little bit creative and you have to sort of develop your brand and become a personality and become someone who who people look to for inspiration and for motivation and that that encompasses a lot more than just climbing something hard especially when it becomes a little bit more mainstream because it's it's a it's a sport that's a little bit difficult for people to understand you know people don't understand what it means to climb 514 but people understand what it means to climb a mountain and they understand what it means to to achieve a dream and, and stuff like that so i think from what I've started to realize is that my, my job and my career is more about creating content in a way that tells an inspiring story to people and, you know, makes them feel something. And, you know, I, I do that by, I guess, just following what I'm passionate about. And that's not to say that I'm still not climbing hard. I am actually still trying to climb hard and push myself. But, you know, I, I've definitely come to the realization that that's not going to last forever. And if I want to keep doing this, I have to find ways to continue to be relevant, like just like you said. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, let's dive into one of these North Face trips because they just seem awesome. They're like, oh, well, you know, let's get our team together. Let's just go to Mount Everest and it's going to be a blast. There's going to be some scientists there. Maybe we'll throw some uh, little transducers on you. Don't really worry about it. Just do your thing. And then they can improve their products from using uh, this high altitude athlete and their team and they can create these videos that everyone's like, holy cow, what are they doing? Tell us a little bit about that trip. And was it fun being kind of a, a dummy on their uh, <laughs> their little scheme to, to really better the world? Yeah. Yeah, the whole Mount Everest trip was really interesting for me. It, it sort of came out of the blue. Uh, our North Face team captain, Conrad Anker, who has now climbed Everest three times, uh, asked me on the trip. Um, I think because he, he thought I would be a good fit just because I – you know, I have sort of expressed my desire to branch out and sort of explore every style of climbing. And uh, he thought, you know, my youthful energy would be good. So uh, he invited me. And the purpose of the trip was for an article for National Geographic to sort of explore Everest before 25 years ago, what it it was like and and what what it's like now. And obviously, we've all heard a lot about what it's like now in the recent media. And, uh, in addition, we were actually working with the Mayo Clinic to do some high-altitude research. And uh, what they were doing was they were trying to study the effects of high-altitude on the body and draw connections from their research to uh, heart disease and cardiovascular disease because a lot of the symptoms that heart disease patients experience are very similar to what people experience at really high altitudes with pulmonary edema and stuff like that. And then in addition, we were doing similar testing on our body's reaction to help with product development. So it was very multifaceted. <laughs> and did you enjoy this? Yes, immensely. It was so amazing. We actually went to the Mayo Clinic before the trip. And then eight of the doctors, I think, came to base camp six weeks into the trip with all these crazy medical devices and did a bunch of tests on us. And then we went after the trip to sort of see um, what happened. And obviously the research is still ongoing. They said it was going to take at least five years to gather all the data and sort of draw conclusions from it. And I don't really understand a lot of it, but it was an amazing, it was really fascinating. So is this something that you see yourself doing in the future, donating your body to science (laughs) while you're still alive, I guess? (laughs) 
certainly if I have the opportunity, I would do it again. Yeah, definitely. It was really fun. It seems like a lot of pressure, though. I mean, they bring you here. They put these transducers on your body to, to check certain characteristics. Is it a similar nervous type feeling as coming on our podcast where we're putting a <laughs> microphone in front of your face? Or was this something that you just thrive for and, and you loved? I mean, honestly, I didn't I didn't really think about it that way at all. I was just like, well, they're just going to you know, do some testing and see how my body reacts. And there's no, there's no control I have over it. And I also didn't really understand a lot of the things that they were studying. So there wasn't really anything for me to be nervous about. Mm, you gotta <laughs> perform. Were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were studying super, super small, tiny measurements, you know, like of our hearts and our lungs and all that stuff. And so, you know, for, for me, it was more just a little bit of an education. <laughs> mm-hmm. So another opportunity that has presented itself because of how open you are to new forms of climbing is an iPad commercial, which is just about the pinnacle of <laughs> all commercials. And <laughs> and this thing was broadcasted during the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the Golden Globes, and many other programs. I mean, that is so cool. <laughs> and you attributed that to luck. And earlier you were talking about how, you know, it's your responsibility as a professional athlete to, to really be inspirational. And I thought that what you said about luck was very inspirational. You wrote, I believe everyone has the opportunity to get lucky in life, but it takes action. In other words, you have to recognize the moment to seize your luck and not miss out on it, which is very cool. Can you talk about luck a little bit? How, how has that played into how your career is developing now? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's about recognizing opportunities when they present themselves and not being afraid to sort of go for it, even though you don't necessarily know what the outcome is and you don't know how you're going to do it. You know, for example, Mount Everest, I was asked to climb Mount Everest in 2010, in 2012. So it was a decision that I had to make two years in advance. Wow. And it was one of those things where I was just kind of like, well, you know, I, I really have no idea if I really want to do this, but it seems like, like something that is very rare and something that not many people get the chance to do. So I just said yes. And it completely changed my life. And, uh, you know, I feel like throughout the years, I've sort of learned to recognize those opportunities. And even though maybe I'm not sure I've taken them and more often than not, it's been a positive experience. Sometimes not, um, but those are always learning experiences as well. But I think, you know, in a way that that is luck that I was given these opportunities in the first place, but it was my action to actually take them. Hmm. Um, I like that. I'm going to create a quote right now. Russell's, probably gonna, <laughs> Russell's rolling his eyes, but I'm going to say luck is a function of the number of opportunities you present yourself to be lucky. You like that or no, Russell? That's good. Sounds like someone's already said it. I don't think we'll so. See. I, we'll I know. do I'll some stat checking. It might be subconscious. But. You can probably Google that and find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Should I do it right now? No, yeah. let's not. You want me to, Emily? I'll, yeah, I'm Google doing it. it. So while Ben's Googling it, I'll, I'll ask you a question. Like you said, you know, if you, you have these opportunities and it's just a matter of being open to them and saying yes, do you really think you're that type of person that at this point in your life, you have so many opportunities that you're just really trying to decide what's the best for you? Or are you more of a dreamer? You, you sit down and you just think, you know, what do I really want to do right now and then make it happen? I think the answer is both, actually. I definitely 
have been busy <laughs> in the past few years of my life. I've, I've traveled a lot and I've taken a lot of opportunities and I've seen a lot of amazing things. And going back to what we were saying earlier about hard climbing, you know, those, those types of trips definitely take their toll on, on my performance as a rock climber. So recently I've definitely taken a step back and, and sort of had to, to think about what do I really want? You know, I'm 27 years old. I'm still at an age where I can push my body and climb really hard. But I'm being given all these opportunities that are maybe really good for my career and maybe they're really amazing adventures, but they're not necessarily like hardcore climbing trips. Mm. And for me, that's that's been the biggest challenge is sort of just balancing those two things and trying to figure out what's best for me and what I really am passionate about at the moment, what I what I want to do right now at this stage in my life. So do you know what you are passionate about now? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, yeah, I think I'm figuring it out. I'm definitely, I just returned from France, which was actually a really amazing rock climbing trip. And I climbed one of the hardest routes I've climbed in a long time. And I've definitely realized that I'm still really hooked on hard climbing. And I want to continue to to be a hardcore rock climber. But I'm also very interested in multi-pitch climbing and big wall climbing. So right now, sort of gravitating towards focusing on that for a little bit, at least for the next few months. Yeah, no, the only reason we're poking you with this is just because we're experiencing the same thing. So <laughs> seriously, I mean, we're all trying to climb. Maybe we're not climbing walls, but climbing somewhere. So It's true. It's hard to find exactly what you want to do, especially when you try something new and then you get featured on 60 Minutes right. for it. Yeah, and exactly. then everyone thinks that you're an ice climber. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'll just cut in really quickly. The quote doesn't exist, but now it does by Ben oh. Shank. Luck is a function of the number of opportunities you present yourself to be lucky. Write it down. Um, Let's try to keep this about Emily. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you talked about how the climbing was wearing you down a little bit. Emily, do you ever get sick of this stuff? Of course. Um, (laughs) I've, like I said, I've been climbing for over half my life. Mm. And there are times, I'm not the type of person that's really, really, I mean, obviously, because I've been doing different kinds of climbing. I'm not super focused on one aspect. I just can't be obsessed for mm-hmm. that long. I definitely get burnt out. I definitely get homesick. I'm a little bit of a homebody. And there are times when I really want to switch it up and do something different. Um, now I spend most of my winters just skiing and not really climbing that much. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do. I get burnt out, and then I get motivated again. And I think it's it's been a really good thing for me to realize that, actually, because before I was sort of pushing through it and continuing to, to force myself out of maybe a little bit of guilt. Mm. Um, but now I'm a little bit more balanced about it. So removing yourself from whatever you're getting sick of, you think is the best way to basically solve that problem. That's what works for you. Yeah, I think so. I think just switching it up, I guess, Mm -hmm. just trying to find what does motivate you and what does make you excited, um, is the key. Cool. So that's, Good news for our listeners, because that means you probably know about all the best gear out there now. So I'm going to ask you the inevitable question. Do you have one piece of gear that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yes, I do. Actually, it's my favorite North Face piece, and it's called the DNP hoodie. It's this super lightweight, Primaloft insulated jacket that I wear all the time. I wear it big wall climbing. I wear it as a layer, like when I'm out cragging and I wear it ski touring, it's like my go-to piece for at all times. And I think it's amazing. 
<laughs> the ultra versatile. Oh, wow, ultra versatile <laughs> yeah. down jacket. It's super light, so you can like stuff it into its pocket, and then you can clip it to your harness and, you know, go mm-hmm. climb a big wall, and can barely feel it while you're climbing. But then when you're belaying and you're cold, you can whip it out and put it on. So nice. It's my favorite. Ben really wants to get some Mountain Meister vests made, but yes. I think we need. No, I think we need what you were just talking about, one of those North Face That'd pieces. That'd be nice, so. too. I wouldn't complain. Yeah. I'm just more of a vest guy. <laughs> well, they, do, they actually have a DNP vest. Oh, so. no. Perfect. <laughs> What's better? <laughs> well, anyway, we will throw the DNP hoodie on our website under your Meister profile page, Emily. We have one final question. This is definitely going to be a tough one, but we want to know what keeps you up at night? Such a tricky question. Um... You know, I'm actually, I'm a pretty good sleeper, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I guess, you know, it's a lot about, it's a lot of what we, what we've been talking about. I get a little stressed about traveling sometimes. Mm. Um, like I said, I'm a homebody and sometimes if I feel like I have too much going on, if I feel like I'm moving around too much, um, that kind of keeps me up at night. It makes me a little bit unsettled. Hmm. Yeah. It's hard when you take a two or three week trip to even know what day it is and time just flies. And so, well, that's great. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have and definitely keep up all the great work. We'll keep following you and uh, checking out what you're doing with Conrad Anchor. He hopefully will get him on the show one of these days too. <laughs> yes, um, he's Conrad. character for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us, Emily, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I thought that episode was a lot of fun with Emily Harrington. I'm sure you did too, Meister fans. I think it's so cool to hear about these people's lives, the challenges they face. It's really just a neat discussion. If you ever have any reflections of your own on these episodes, you can leave comments at the bottom of the Meister profile pages. Join us tomorrow when we have Phil Powers on the show. His is going to be another neat discussion about the American Alpine Club, what they're doing now, what they see in the future. This is one of the largest climbing clubs in the world. Join us then. Join us then.